Hello and welcome to the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. Wellspring Tabernacle is a Bible-based Trinitarian Christian church in Marble, North Carolina. We seek to impact our community through preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and may God bless. But like I said, I don't know really what's going to happen right here in a little bit, but if you got your Bible, uh, turn to the fifth chapter of the book of Mark, please. And I'm going to take a break from our spiritual warfare series to look at a story. It's a very, very familiar story, but it's a story about a woman who had what the Bible calls an issue of blood. Before we dive into the story, I want to give you a backdrop of what the Jewish communities of the first century looked like. Imagine that in your hometown, you belonged to a community where everyone knew everyone like family. You all went to the same church. You ate the same types of food. You even got your water from the same source. You worked with one another and all your kids played together. This is as tightly knit as anything can be like literally these people watch you grow up you grow up having mom and dad and and as many aunts and uncles as the community provides and but that's what a jewish community in the first century looked like everyone quite literally knew everyone that sounds great I, i mean i can remember a time when our area was very close to that But before we get lost in thoughts of yesteryear, you need to know that there is also a dark side to everyone being so close-knit. If you did or had something happen to you that made you sinful or unclean, everyone knew about it. You would be kicked out of your community until you were clean again. And this brings us to our text in the fifth chapter of Mark's Gospel, We Find a Woman. Now the Bible never gives her name, She is known and has been known throughout history by her condition rather than her name. Starting in verse 24 of Mark chapter 5, the Bible says, And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press or in the crowd behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague." 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time and this opportunity to gather, God, to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray, God, that you would bless the reading of your word. Bless this time together, God, as we worship you through the, the modes that you have given us, God, through preaching. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help me now. Hide me behind the cross, God. Touch my lips of clay and my stammering tongue, God. Fill me with your spirit afresh, God. And I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so in verse 25 of this text, we meet a woman. She's a struggling woman. She is a hurting woman. This woman was considered unclean. When she's seen in her community, shouts of unclean followed her. What made her unclean? Of course, we know that the Bible says that she had an issue of blood, but why would that make her unclean? Well, in Leviticus 15, starting in verse 25, the Bible says this. It says, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days other than at the customary time of her impurity, or if it runs beyond the usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary customary impurity she shall be unclean every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity and whatever she sits on shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her impurity whoever touches those things shall be unclean he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening until she is cleansed of her discharge then she shall count for herself seven days and after that she shall be clean and on the eighth day she shall take for herself two turtle doves or two young pigeons and bring them to the priest to the door of the tabernacle of meeting then the priest shall offer them one offer the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering and the priest shall make atonement for her before the lord for the discharge of her uncleanness thus you shall separate the children of israel from their uncleanness lest they die in their uncleanness when they defile my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law for one who has a discharge and for he who emits semen and is unclean thereby and for her who is indisposed because of her customary impurity and for one who has a discharge, either man or woman, and for him who lies with her who is unclean. Now, I know that what I just read was graphic, but I want to paint a picture in your mind of the life this woman led. Everything she owned, everything she touched, and anyone she touched was considered unclean. All right, now the word unclean doesn't just mean she was dirty. It's much more graphic than that. When someone is said to be unclean, they're considered impure. They're considered defiled or contaminated. She was a pariah in her community. She has no friends. She has no one to talk to. Her family has no doubt disowned her. She has no one to help her. And she is overwhelmed by her despair, shame, and desperation to the point that she spends every last penny she has only to find that no doctor can help her. The Bible says that her condition only got worse. Picture that in your mind for a minute. Try to visualize being in this woman's shoes. You can't go around your family. You can't go to church. You can't see your friends because you are defiled. You're impure. You're contaminated. You're unclean. This was her lot in life for 12 years. 12 years of shame. 12 years of being despised, 12 years of being told she was unwanted, 12 years of being told she was defiled, unfit to be around other people. Everything she touched was defiled, contaminated by something beyond her control. That's the life this woman lived. And I think back to a story I heard of a church service where a pastor, he had a beautiful rose. 
And he held up this rose and he said, I want this rose to be passed around and I want you to touch it. I want you to smell it. I want you to feel of it. I want you to do everything you can for this rose. And he proceeds then to preach a message about uh, sexual purity, about staying pure. And then all of a sudden, when he... He finally, about halfway through the sermon, he said, where's the rose? Where's my rose? And they give it to him. He picks it up. This thing, I mean, the stem's broke. It's got petals hanging mm. off of it. It, lo- it just looks a mess. And he makes this crazy, strange statement of, now who would want this rose? This rose is nasty. This rose is messed up. This, and there was, there was a man, that as a, another preacher, when he was a young man sitting in the crowd, and this is who I heard the story from, his name's Matt Chandler. He said, he said, all I could think about, he said, I was so enraged that he would say that. He said, because I wanted to jump up and say, Jesus wants the rose. Jesus did not come for a perfect people. He came to make a perfect people out of fallen humanity. So regardless of how we may be looked down on ourselves or how we may look down on others, we need to understand that we are not like this woman. We are contaminated, yes. I said we are not like this woman. That Yes, I meant to say we are like this woman. All right, because we are contaminated by something beyond our control. Outside of Christ, we're contaminated by sin. And, and even in Christ, we still have to fight and have to battle with this sin that's in our lives. But has there ever been a time in your life when you were like this woman, when people dreaded to see you coming, a time when in, in, your, in your life when you were considered unclean? You could very well be at that stage of your life right now, a life of being despised and rejected and no one wanting to be around you. You've tried everything you can possibly imagine to heal the pain in your life. You've lived in desperation for so long that nothing has helped. That's the life this woman lived. However, she also lived in a time when the world was forever changed. She lived in a time when Jesus walked this earth. And I have no doubt that she heard of him. Because verse 27 says, when she had heard of Jesus. Now, I don't doubt that that's talking about the particular day she heard he was coming through town. But if she had heard nothing about Jesus prior to this, all right, she would have just thought, oh, well, he's, that's somebody named Jesus is walking through town. All right. But I believe she heard of him before that. It could very well be that she was one of those who watched from the edges of the pool of Bethesda as Jesus went to the paralytic and said, do you want to be made whole? Rise, take up your bed and walk. It could be that she watched as as a man that everyone knew was demon-possessed, came back clothed and in his right mind. And when they asked him, what happened to you? How are you delivered? He said, I met a man named Jesus. It could be that she watched she was in the crowd when he preached the sermon on the mount. She may have heard that he, he she may have heard how he healed the man with the withered hand, or maybe she was at the wedding feast at Cana and seen them run out of wine and the host begin to just go into a go into a fit and being and being nervous when Jesus says, "Go fill these jars up with water and bring them to me." And then, as he prayed and gave thanks, a blush came on that water and it became the finest wine they'd ever drank. It could be any. I don't 
don't know that it was any of those things, but it could have very well been one of those situations. But the truth is, is it doesn't matter how she heard about him. It matters what she did after she heard. All right, the day this woman met Jesus was an amazing day. He had already delivered the demoniac of Judera, and he was going home when a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus stops him, asking him to come heal his daughter. Jesus agrees to go heal her, and as they make their way to Jairus' house, a multitude of people gather around him. Now, I don't know how many how many makes up a multitude. I just know it was a bunch. All right, the crowd is so thick that they're forced to walk slowly. This woman sees the crowd. She knows that Jesus is in this crowd, and she struggles to get to him. We know this because of how this woman came. She wrestled and fought her way through the crowd just to get to him. Why did she struggle to get to Jesus? Because she believed he would heal her. The belief of this woman is something we all need to grab hold of. I'm not talking about name it, claim it belief. I'm talking about something deeper than that. Trusting and relying solely on God and his grace to get you through the struggles of this life. It's a lesson that God teaches all of us. Sometimes it's before our conversion when we look back on our life and see the grace of God guiding us. Other times it's after our conversion when God's allow us to get as low as we could possibly get before we finally cry out to him in desperation. We all, one way or another, wind up like this woman at the feet of Jesus. What we do know is that somehow she wound up on the ground because Matthew's account tells us that she touched the fringe or the hem of his garment. And right here, I'm going to take a fit. All right, because this garment she touched, it may have been this and it may not have. I don't know for sure, but I personally think that it was no ordinary piece of clothing. I believe that Jesus wore what we know today to be a tallit or a prayer shawl. It was a garment that most Jewish men wore in Christ's day. All right, while we know it today from its strict association with rabbis, in Jesus' day, this wasn't the case. When a boy became a man, he was given a tallit. They're known by another name, the robe of responsibility, and they showed authority. When David cut the corner off Saul's robe in 1 Samuel 24, this was the garment he cut the corner from, signifying to King Saul that I have the authority in your life. I can take your life, and I've taken the corner of this garment to show that. All right. When Ruth went to Boaz in the threshing floor, and asked her to spread his skirt over her. It was the tallit that he used, signifying that he'd taken responsibility for her. God gave Moses the commands for how these robes are to be made in Numbers 15, and he commanded the men of the nation of Israel to take the kanaf of their garments and put tassels called a zitzit on them. The perp, I'm, I'm purposefully using the Hebrew word. All right, the word kanaf in Hebrew is the word for wing. Now, I know that I don't have Bible for what was going through this woman's mind as she crawled through the crowd to get to Jesus, but I believe with everything in me that she remembered the words of King David in Psalm 91 and his song of praise to the Almighty. He said, surely he'll cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your... Telling you, and this woman knew. She said, If I could just get to his wing, I know I'll be all right. If I could just get under his wing, I know that I'll be okay. She didn't, she knew she would find refuge under his wing, and that's exactly what she touched. 
So stop for a minute and think about this. You and I have never had the opportunity to see Jesus face to face. We haven't had an opportunity to touch his physical body. We're just like this woman. We're all unclean and defiled and contaminated by sin. We all have our own issue of blood. We, like this woman, fought through the naysayers and every trap the enemy had laid for us. No one else could help us. We had no one else to turn to. No physician could heal our malady. No counselor could talk us through our issues but oh one day <laughs> one day we heard about a man who opened blinded eyes we heard about a man who uns who healed the lame and made the deaf hear and the mute speak we heard about a man who could take all of our baggage all of our sin a man who could take everything that made us unclean wash us in his blood and make us white as snow the day we heard about this man named Jesus changed us for Forever. I think about what Isaiah said where he said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as crimson, they shall be white as snow. Though they be ripped. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. The day we heard about this man named Jesus changed us forever. The Almighty. And His sovereign grace and mercy took us from the pit of sin and shame and has hidden us under His wing. The commonality this woman shares with us doesn't end there. The Bible says that Jesus immediately knew that miracle working power had left His body. He stopped the procession and asks, Who touched me? The disciples, not knowing what had just transpired, looked at him like he was crazy. They said, Don't you see the crowd? There's no way of knowing who touched you. Jesus looked into the crowd anyway. The Bible says this woman, knowing what had taken place in her, fell down at his feet and told him that it was her. Jesus didn't ask her why. He didn't come at her with disdain and disgust, saying, You're unclean. You're dirty. How dare you touch me? Don't you know who I am? No, no, no. Our blessed Lord looked at her and said daughter did you hear what I just said he didn't cry unclean unclean he didn't run from her he did the same thing for this woman that he does for us he calls her daughter or in our case he called me a son All right, when we come to him by faith he doesn't run away from us crying unclean we find shelter under his wings and he calls us daughters and sons Jesus doesn't just stop with calling her daughter though he tells her you your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole from your plague. Now, while there's much said in the church today about spiritual gifts, very little is ever said about the gift of faith. I know Rita and I talked about it a little bit last week. But the gift of faith is a supernatural, God-given ability to believe God can do the impossible. Now, I know that this event was before the Spirit was poured out and that the, and the gifts were given, but this woman is a perfect example of the gift of faith. She believed with everything in her that if she could touch Christ's clothes, she would be healed. The beauty of Christ is that He doesn't only heal physical ailments. More importantly, He heals us spiritually. When Jesus uses the phrase made whole, He was speaking about more than her 
physical state. The Greek word here means more than just physical healing. It means to be delivered, saved, restored, and spared from judgment. The word for peace that's used here means security, safety, prosperity, and rest. And the word plague is the Greek word mastix, and it means scourge, calamity, and misfortune. Now that we've lifted the lid on, on these Greek terms, let's look at what Jesus tells this woman again. He tells this woman and everyone around him, daughter, your faith has delivered delivered you, saved you, restored you, and has delivered you from judgment. Go in security, safety, prosperity, and rest. You have been saved from the scourge of misfortune and calamity. Do you understand what Jesus did for this woman and what he does for us when he saves us? He doesn't just give us a vaccination. He doesn't just slap a Holy Ghost band-aid on our souls. We don't just get a golden ticket to heaven. He says, my son or my daughter, you are saved, restored, and delivered from judgment. You've been secure You've been given security, safety, prosperity, and rest for your soul. The scourge, the misfortune, the calamity that sin brought is no more. We have to understand that Jesus was telling everyone around this woman, because they all knew her, they all knew who she was. And when he said these words, he said, your faith has cleansed you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has delivered you from judgment. He was telling this woman, you don't have to do anything. To be made clean. You don't have to take the two turtle doves. And the two pigeons to the priest. God in the flesh pronounced her clean. God in the flesh pronounced her whole. How dare anyone try to tell a child of God. When they have been pronounced clean by the God of all heaven. How dare anyone tell them. Well if you don't do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. The whole alphabet worth of works. That you're not born again. I'm sorry that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works. Though no one can boast. But I ask you this morning, how many of you know someone like this woman or are in this place of desperation yourself? A place in your life where you know if God doesn't do something, everything else is going to fall apart. Believe God. Trust in Him. Fight through whatever you have to fight through to get to Him. I'm reminded of my dad right now. He, my dad is always, he's 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 always looked at kind of the, been a kind of glass half empty type person, especially when it comes to medical news. Well, this past week they they told him that there's a possibility that he may have congestive heart failure. And yesterday I was outside helping him do something and he was talking about, well, son, ain't no wonder I've got this congestive heart failure. I said, Dad, they didn't say you have this disease. They said there's a possibility of it. And he said, oh, really? And I said, yes. I said, that's why we've been telling you you know, this is not a, they didn't pronounce a death sentence over your life that you have this disease. I said, for all you know, this could be something that's easily taken care of, but you're stubborn and won't go to the doctor to let them see. Yeah. 
and that's you know on another topic for another day but you know i mean when when we say that we believe that god can do something let us be like this woman you know believe and trust and know that i don't have to see i don't have to touch his hand I don't have to look him eye to eye. Just let me get under his wing. Just let me stay there for a little while. Jesus told the Pharisees, He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you which kill the prophets, how oft I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. I don't know. I don't know if y'all know much about hens and about how they act towards their brood. But I can tell you, as somebody that's, that has chickens and and that, you know, will have chicks before too long at my house, I can tell you that a mother hen will do anything in her power to protect her brood. And the safest place for them, the most secure place they can be, is right under those. You watch as that. You watch when they run across the yard, and all them little bitties are running right to her. They don't. They don't just follow behind her in a pretty little line. They run right up none of them wings. One time, I never will forget. One time, I was at a man's house, and there was a hawk, flew down and grabbed a baby chick out of the yard. And a whole lot of people said chicken can't fly. They wrong. I watched it happen. That old game setting hen boy, she hit her wings. It sounded like a bomb went off. She boom, she shot straight up off the ground, and the, the hawk took the baby chick to the top of a poplar tree. That hen flew straight to the top of that poplar tree, and she wing whooped that hawk till it dropped her baby and flew off. And of course, the chick was dead between the hawk catching it in the fall. But how much more if if god gives us examples like that in the natural world how much more will he shelter and protect us though we're like this woman and we have our issues and we have these things going on how much the more it's like what jesus said he said if you then being able know how to give good gifts to your children how much more shall you shall my father give the spirit to those that ask you And and the next time I hope, you know, when the next time we hear or the next time we see someone that has a a reputation, you know, in our communities as being uh, someone we'd rather not run into, think about this woman. That person is in just as great a need of the love and mercy of God as we were. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for this day. God, pray that you would take this that you've given us, Lord, and let it minister to the hearts of those that need it. God, help us to be in mind of this woman when we see those in our own life that we may not want to see. God, move in our hearts and give us, give us that ministering ability to help those that are around us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. If you feel led to do so, please give us a review on the platform of your choice. And if you would like to reach out to us further, please email us at wellspringtabernaclenc at gmail.com. Until next week, may God bless you.